This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey, and I'm joined by Katie Bulls and James Forsyth. The Chancellor Rishi Sunak has said the government needs to do better than it did last week in its handling of the Owen Paterson fiasco. Katie, is Boris Johnson now under more pressure than he was previously to say something about what's going on? I don't know if he's under more pressure, but I think it is making it more stark and drawing more attention to the fact we have seen little in the way of contrition from the Prime Minister. Um, you see that in the fact that on Wednesday... At the COP26 summit, you had a situation where Boris Johnson was asked again about the Patterson affair and ultimately refused to apologise. And I, I think that even though you haven't seen it, lots of ministers do that direct, you know, I'm really sorry, there's enough to point out they clearly regret it. And I do think Rishi Sunak has gone further than Boris Johnson in his comments. Now, he didn't, uh, you know, just out of nowhere do this interview to stick the knife and or make things difficult for the Prime Minister. It was interview regarding the economy but I think it's just making that more stark at a time when Tory MPs are increasingly fed up about the fact that depending on where you are in the party one your second job is under criticism when they don't think it would have been had number 10 handled things better and Boris Johnson managed to get a lid on this and two on the other end the fact that the story won't go away and Downing Street isn't doing much to go away whether that is apologizing or a cap on earnings so again it rumbles on. James, you wrote in a blog on Coffee House today that the Prime Minister is in a bit of a tricky situation. On the one hand, he doesn't want to be caught on the wrong side of public mood, but on the other, he doesn't want to upset his own MPs. I think you said a quarter of whom uh, have outside earnings. Are we expecting some kind of reform, or is he going to try and play it down the middle as he has done so far and not say anything? I think that Downing Street's hope is that this story kind of blows itself out. I think the problem is that it doesn't show much signs of doing so and I think that you know that, that when as Katie said when Boris Johnson won't apologise or say sorry he, he really doesn't like apologies he never has done do you remember he used to, to joke during the leadership contest you know he was offering an apology for everything he'd ever said kind mm. of thing so when he doesn't apologise he gives the story legs I also think that you know if a quarter of Tory MPs are outside interests we are kind of getting regular stories about Tory MPs not just Geoffrey Cox so I don't think something is going away because I think one of the problems for Boris Johnson is there are things that are declared that aren't breached of the rules, but I think they don't pass the smell test. And the public are saying, well, what, what, how is that allowed? For example, there's a story today about Mark Palsy, who is a chair of a packaging lobby group. Now, he has asked questions about packaging in Parliament. He's not broken the rules because he has referred to his interest before he has asked the question. But I think most people think, what, so you can have a paid job for a packaging lobby group and then ask questions about packaging the House of Commons, that, that can't be right. And so I think this is the, the problem for Boris Johnson is that this goes on. Tory MPs are in a grump. Uh, there's a, a poll out today from Redfield and Wilton showing that Labour are ahead. That's not going to improve the mood on the Tory benches. And I think that one of the problems for Boris Johnson is that, you know, this, this isn't, you know, on Monday the Commons will then further unpick what the government got it to vote for on the, on the pattern of business. I, I, but I think I think at some point it will probably take some statement of contrition from Boris Johnson 
to move this story on because without that you'll get more of this but i think one of the problems when i look at our in the political column this week i mean nearly all the ideas for reform that are out there are problematic so let's say one well, popular one uh, that lord evans was mentioning today you know banning people doing kind of political consultancy roles i think it's quite hard to see how you draft that tightly enough that you don't end up catching a whole bunch of other jobs. For example, you know, you're going to, I mean, everyone agrees that, that people should be allowed to be carry on being barristers, right? Because you need barristers to be the Attorney General in the House of Commons. Uh, and that means people will be able to carry on working for solicitors. Lots of law firms, though, also have an advisory arm. So how do you delineate that? So I mean, that's the flaw with that one. And quite interestingly, some people who are big advocates of this approach will now admit to you privately that, that having looked at how you would try and draft that legislation, it is almost impossible to come up with the the precise terminology. The other idea is that you could cap the number of hours. So you say, okay, you can't do more than a certain number of hours a week on your outside interests. I can see what the appeal that has. I mean, there are, but I think there is a problem with that. You know, for example, Theresa May, I think, got more than eighty thousand pounds for a speech from uh, J.P. Morgan Chase that took her three hours. Would it be fair to ban someone from doing the accounts for a small business that takes them ten hours but pays them massively less money? when Theresa May is coining in £80,000 for a speech that takes three hours of work. The other idea, which is where I think I would, uh, which is where I think has probably the most political appeal for Labour, would be to say, look, there's a cap. You can't earn more than your MP salaries from your outside interests. But if Boris Johnson attempted to do that, I think you'd have a lot of grumpy Tories. And I think you'd also have a lot of people pointing out, well, hang on a second, in the year after you resigned as Foreign Secretary, you earned vastly more from your outside interests than you earned as the MP for Uxbridge and South Ryslip. And so I think there are no good answers for Boris Johnson on this stuff right now. Katie, what's Labour's approach been? Kistam has always wanted to make out that he'd be a more competent Prime Minister than Boris Johnson. Is he just staying quiet or do you think we're going to see Labour going more on the attack on the next few days? So Keir Starmer is going on the attack, but in terms of the messenger Labour is using, um, you're hearing more from, from the senior women in the Labour Party. And that's because, in part, of Keir Starmer's own situation. Starmer has been asked questions about his own income. It's emerged that he has earned tens of thousands of pounds from legal work while being an MP. You've had figures close to Corbyn come out, the former Labour leader, and say they actually blocked him from doing certain work, advised him against it during his time. Time when Jeremy Corbyn was leader. And why I think, as James touched on, lots of this stuff is defensible, it also makes it a bit more, it makes less clear attack if people can reply and say, oh, well, you had a second job, you've done that work, you know, where are you drawing the line? I think that's why Angela Rayner is coming out with this pretty well because she is in a position where she is just really going for everyone. There is a sense that as of yet, people find a little to throw at her on this issue. So, Labour clearly think they have an opportunity here. The fact that in the polls, Labour have overtaken the Tories, and that's two polls this week. One was by one point, today's is by two points, does show this is fertile ground. And I think, again, it's why lots of Tory MPs are kicking themselves, or at least want to kick Boris Johnson, because Labour have been trying to land Tory sleaze lines for quite a long time now. You think in the build-up to the local elections, Rachel Reeves and others, you know, that Downing Street refurbishment really wanted to go for it. And at the time, you heard people say, this is a Westminster bubble story. And 
then when the local election results came through and the Tories did pretty well, particularly, um, you know, in uh, the Hartlepool by-election, everyone said, well, this is a Westminster bubble story. Now, when you've had George Eustace at the weekend suggest it is a storm in a teacup, people are throwing that back now. The Tories are saying, well, it clearly isn't because you are seeing a little bit of cut through and you're also hearing just accounts from speaking to MPs, and I'm sure James said similar, that they are getting lots of correspondence about this. It's not... Barnard Castle, Dominic Cummings' levels of anger. Some said it's maybe a little bit more than the sewage row, which I think was also seen as a massive own goal. But therefore, it's I think it's now this tried and tested playbook in Downing Street under Boris Johnson of almost dismissing everything as bubble issues, I think is starting to wear pretty thin. James, moving on, there's a strange story today about three MPs getting drunk on a flight to visit troops in Gibraltar. It's quite a strange one. What's happened there? Uh, yeah, what's even stranger is that there's going to that we're told that, that Ben Wallace will write to the Labour leader and the SNP leader to complain about the behaviour of their MPs on this flight. Now we should tread careful here because there, there was a very famous libel case involving one of my um, predecessors, Peter political editor, who accused a bunch of very senior Labour politicians of being drunk on a trip, and I think it was in Venice. Uh, and the libel case um, didn't do wonders for the uh, 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 the spectators' finances. Let's end it here uh, then. <laughs> so, so I, I should be careful. I must admit that when I saw this story break last night, I did think. Uh, this is interesting. Now, because of this, right, which is you can argue that from a Tory perspective right now, a kind of plague on all your houses sentiment, a kind of God aren't MPs awful, it it would be better for them than the particular concentration on Tories and outside interests. But I also think you've got to be really careful before you start doing this, because if we want to get into has uh, any MP ever been drunk somewhere where they might um, uh, have been photographed and the like, then I mean, that's tricky. I also think, you know, this is this is more mean kind of drunk on a plane rather than r- rather than kind of drunk um on 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 exercises with the military or drunk at some uh, very formal event, but I do think this is a dangerous road to go down. If everyone is going to start getting into, you know, I mean, it'll be great. Uh, you know, as, as journalists say, it'll be good for trade, right? But if everyone is going to get into r- r- writing about every drunk member of parliament, that, that it'll be good for newspapers, but not good for politics, and ultimately, I don't mean good for any political party. Yeah, I think when it comes to this, we see it a little bit in the second jobs. There is enough to throw something at every political party, really, particularly the, the main ones. And I think similar to this, I mean, perhaps it's a good distraction in the minds of some from the current Tory sleaze to talk about Labour MPs behaving badly. But I think every party will have stories that it doesn't particularly want out. And therefore, to initiate it, I, I don't think, you know, I think as soon as you embark on this route, I don't think that the Tory party is without um, stories of its own that Labour could throw back quite quickly if you are going to go there. I mean, not not to, to dwell over this point. Honestly, it was really quite weird to be told that Ben Wallace would be writing to the leaders of the Labour Party and the SNP. It just, it just seemed a strangely official approach mm. to this kind of story thank you james and thank you katie and if you enjoyed this podcast then why not tune in to spectator tv tonight we have the former number 10 chief of staff gavin barwell on the show alongside the former uk permanent representative to the eu ivan rogers former trump defense advisor elbridge colby and israel's ambassador to the uk zifu hotovli to watch the episode just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash tv
Thank you for listening and see you again tomorrow.